Welcome to the first episode of To My Daughter. Today I'm going to talk about how I got into Google. And I got to be honest, it feels a bit weird to be sharing this because it feels like everyone got into Google. And let me explain what I mean by that. I have a lot of former colleagues from Google on Facebook, so I feel like I'm surrounded by people who either worked for or still work for Google. And that's why it feels a bit odd to be sharing this because it really feels like everyone around me got into Google. But I do realize, of course, that that's not the case and that a lot of people are curious about the process. So I'm going to do my best to think about the kind of questions that people may have around how I got a job at Google and the entire process around it, like what made me apply, which I actually didn't, but what kind of educational background do I have and what was the interview process like, how much did I make, and is it like the movie The Internship? Yes, it is. Or yes, it was. And um, was it really that chill to work at Google or is it more stressful than people make it seem? I'm going to start with my educational background, not because Google looks for people with a specific education. But for me, there were certainly some decisions made that turned out to be really important factors to why I got into Google. I have a bachelor degree in international marketing, and to be honest, the only reason for why I chose international marketing was because there was a requirement that the last year of the degree, meaning the third year, had to be spent abroad. And before taking my bachelor degree, I had spent one year in the U.S. during high school as an exchange student. And I loved my year abroad. So it was definitely a bummer to go back home. And, you know, you could say that I was bitten by the travel bug or whatnot. So I definitely wanted to go abroad again. And then you may be thinking, well, me, you didn't have to study international marketing to travel. You could have taken a year off and just worked and traveled. Yes and no. So to those who don't know me, I'm ethnically Vietnamese, but I was born and raised in Norway. And um, so my, my parents are Vietnamese. And I'd say that my parents are definitely, you know, they definitely took the stereotypical tiger parenting approach. And I'm sure, of course, compared to other maybe Vietnamese parents, my parents aren't that strict. But compared to most Norwegian parents, I would say that they're pretty strict or they were strict when I was younger. So just the thought of me spending a year randomly traveling around with no specific plan, that would not fly with my parents. However, if a year abroad was linked to education, then my parents would be okay with that. So I chose international marketing and spent the third year of my bachelor degree in Grenoble, France. And during those three years of studying, I volunteered in student organizations. And I don't know where I got this idea from, but I specifically remember thinking that I'm not going to involve myself too much in those Vietnamese organizations. And the logic behind that was that I thought the Norwegians would look at me a certain way. I would sometimes see all of these Vietnamese students by the lunch area just hang out in this big group. 
And to me, it just felt like a signal was being sent. Like, this is my group. I hang out with Vietnamese people only, you know. I just felt like that was the vibe that was being sent out. And there may be some truth to it, or it may just be something that I made up in my own head. But I just remember thinking that I will always be accepted by the Vietnamese community simply because I'm Vietnamese. But if I want access to other Norwegian groups, I need to be a part of that now when I'm studying. I need to forge bonds and I need to become friends with them now because it will be harder for me to gain access to that later on. And I didn't think that what I was actually doing was networking and that my approach by being more active in Norwegian organizations instead of those Vietnamese organizations was fairly strategic. And you can argue whether it was a good strategy or not, but that was simply my train of thought back then. Anyhow, when I graduated in 2008, the market was slowly recovering from a financial crisis. So to be honest, I don't remember it having a huge impact on Norway in terms of employment rate, but I just remember sensing from the news that it was not a good time to go job hunting. And also I was a bit lost because, you know, it wasn't like I studied medicine where after you're done studying, you know that once you're done, you will apply for open positions as a doctor. But What kind of jobs do you apply for when you have a bachelor degree in international marketing? Was I confined to sales and marketing? I didn't know. I had no idea. All I remember thinking was that I was a bit lost and I thought, hey, I might as well just take my master's while waiting out this market situation to recover. So I pursued a master's degree in organizational psychology and leadership and I'd never had a specific interest in psychology in particular, but some of the courses really uh, appealed to me. So I applied for the master's solely based on the few courses that I thought were really interesting. Throughout my bachelor and my master's, I had a a lot of part-time jobs. So I worked part-time as a cashier at Shell, a gas station. And then later on, I got a job as a receptionist at a hotel. And then I got a part-time job as a recruitment assistant at a recruitment agency. I also worked as a research assistant for my professor, who um, she's the professor in persuasion and influence. I also had a part-time gig at L'Oreal where I would come in once a week or whenever they needed help, they would call me and I would do anything from counting products or go to the stores and just check out how many pieces of each item was in the store, just stuff like that. And that job I actually got through a friend of mine. We had taken some courses together during our bachelor studies. And after finishing our bachelor, she continued to work for L'Oreal while I took my master's. So I was introduced to the recruiter. And I would definitely say that I got a shortcut into L'Oreal. And to me, it kind of proved that the networking that I was doing you know, I was reaping the benefits of it, but I didn't 
think of it that strategically at the time. I just thought I need to make friends and at a later stage, it's probably good to know, know people. I just knew that the kind of uh, industry that I would be in probably required me to know people. And I didn't think about the concept networking, but that was, in hindsight, I realized that that was what I was doing. Now, some of you guys may be thinking, oh my God, get to the part about Google already. But I wanted to share what I did before Google because I realized once I was hired into Google that there was one common denominator among all of us Nooglers, and that's that all of us had international experience. So we had all spent some time abroad. And the second thing is that all of us had done ordinary things extraordinary well and I realize how douchebaggy I sound when I say that but I'm gonna get into the deal details of what I mean by that later on I graduated and got my master's in spring 2010 but the graduation ceremony was not until December so by the time the graduation ceremony took place I had already gotten an offer at Google and was going to move to Dublin in February But I was so sad at the graduation ceremony because throughout my two years of working on my master's, I had one goal in mind, and that was to win the prize for best student. And that prize was solely based on grades. But I had gotten a B on my master's thesis and a B on another course or a subject. So it pulled my grade point average down and I knew that I was not gonna get the price. And at the graduation ceremony, because there are so many that want to be a part of it, they only gave each student two seats. So in my mind, throughout my master's studies, I had this vision of these two spots being reserved for my parents and I was going to win this uh, prize and I was not going to tell my parents that I was going to win this prize. It was going to be the greatest surprise for them. Obviously, I didn't get the prize. And so I was so sad and disappointed that I considered not even attending the graduation ceremony. But my sister convinced me. She was like, oh my gosh, it's your graduation ceremony. You have to go. And you've gotten a job offer at Google. Like, how can you be sad? But I was, you know, I had spent two years thinking and having this vision in my head and it just didn't happen that way. So I was actually really sad and upset at my graduation ceremony as this these prizes were given out. But yeah, my sister and my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, joined the graduation ceremony. Let's rewind back to October 2010, which was before the graduation ceremony. That's when I created my LinkedIn profile. And very shortly after, I think a few weeks after I created my profile, a recruiter from Google reached out to me and I really did not believe her when she wrote that she was from Google because the role that she was trying to fill was based out of Dublin. So I honestly just thought that this was some sort of scam or maybe, you know, someone trying to trick me to come over to Dublin and it was all like a trafficking thing. I have no idea. I was so skeptical. But I reached out to a friend of mine who had worked at Google and he confirmed that she was a recruiter from Google. So I answered her 
and shortly after she set up a phone interview. And during the phone interview, I think it lasted about 25 minutes, maybe maximum 30 minutes. I just felt like it went by really quickly. She asked about my educational background and all of my extracurricular activities. And, you know, it was a fairly uh, quick screening process, but I did on the phone have to share, you know, all of the stuff that I did beyond just going to school. And then that was followed up with a confirmation of um, them wanting to see me for physical interviews. So I was invited for an on-campus interview in Dublin. They booked tickets for me. I flew into Dublin the night before and the morning after I had all of the interviews. So I had four interviews by four separate people And before the interview, the recruiter prepped me really well. So I was sent a lot of information about what Google looks for in an interview process. So there are four things that they look for. One is leadership. The other is role fit. The third is general cognitive ability. And the fourth is sort of an X factor. They call it Googliness, but it's kind of like, you know, why should we hire you? And under Googliness, I also think that they try to look for, you know, whether or not you would fit into the team. So it was a full day of interviews and each person that interviews you are looking for that one of the four things. So each person's mission is to try to figure out how you have showed leader, leadership capabilities, how you um, fit into the role, like what kind of experiences do you have that would fit into the current role and job that you need to do. Um, in terms of Googliness, there will be a separate person looking for, you know, the X factor. And very often, the person that interviews you for Googliness will actually be a teammate. So you're probably wondering, what did I say during those interviews that landed me the job? And I honestly feel like many of my friends could have gotten into Google and that it's all about presenting and translating everything that you have done in a way that sounds extraordinary. Um, For me, what I shared to show that I take initiative and that I am a curious person and problem solver was stories of how I'm usually the go-to person when my parents need help with paperwork. And this may sound like a very basic task, but this has been the case since I was like 13, 14 years old. With my parents being Vietnamese, there would be times when they would come to us, their kids, to ask help with translating or filling out paperwork. And we're talking about very complex paperwork here where, you know, I to this day still have to read through these kind of paperwork properly to see if I've understood it. I am 100% convinced that most, if not all, who have parents who are not ethnically Norwegian have come to you for help with paperwork. And that's a big task to give someone who's, you know, maybe 13, 14 years old. I remember my parents moving into a new house and there was something wrong with the shower and they were convinced that the seller had sold the house knowing that the shower was broken but had not informed about it when the house was sold. So I had to look into the Norwegian law and find the right 
paragraph to use and I wrote a complaint for my parents. Another example would be my parents had invested in a small apartment that they rented out and the guy who lived there had not paid his rents for months. So then I would have to read through the Norwegian law again and look for the right paragraph and write a complaint and a warning and we managed to kick him out. So those are the examples that I brought up during the interview to show that I was a resourceful person because at that time I didn't really have that much work experience to show. When it comes to leadership, I remember talking about how I'm very comfortable taking lead if needed, but then I'm also very comfortable to just step back and let other people lead. I'm not going to fight just to be a boss. That's what I remember talking about. And I think that just kind of showed how I am a team player. That's really important at Google. I remember very well that during the time I got hired, there was a need for people to join the Norwegian team. And Google is convinced that good people know good people. So they had this referral program where if you referred someone and they actually got hired, you would get a bonus of, I think it was around like a thousand euros. So we were incentivized to bring people on board. But I was surprised to find out that a lot of the people I reached out to, like people in my class uh, from my bachelor or even my master's, like they were not interested in joining Google. Um, number one, because the salary was too low compared to their expectations. And that's one thing about Norway, the overall salary level is really high. So if you just finished your studies and all you're thinking about is to earn a lot of money, then you will lose out on very good opportunities because there were very many who turned down just the opportunity to be referred one, because they were not willing to move to Dublin, and two, because they felt like the salary was not good enough compared to their expectations. And I earned, I think it was like 37,000 euros per year. That was my base salary. And then there was a quarterly bonus on top of that. And I don't remember the percentage of the quarterly bonus. I don't have the contract at hand. And I think I only got like a digital contract and a link to it. So I never like printed out the contract or anything. But that's what I remember the salary being. And I never struggled. When I lived in Dublin, I had a really nice apartment, which was like a seven minute walk to the office. And I paid 850 euros um, per month. But that was also during the time when Ireland was hit pretty hard by the financial crisis. So I had I got a really good deal on that apartment. But all in all, I just remember, you know, I never felt like I was short on money. I remember getting the contract and seeing the salary because that was never something that we discussed up front. And I reacted, you know, because it was fairly low compared to a Norwegian salary level. And I tried to negotiate, but the recruiter was like, this is what we can offer. And I was like, I'll take it. And uh, it was, uh, I just thought it was a great opportunity. I'll stick it out for a year if I don't like it. Um, but I ended up being there for almost four years and it was the best decision I ever made. 
One thing that I forgot to mention earlier was that when it was confirmed that the recruiter was actually from Google, I reached out to my boyfriend who was actually on vacation with his friends. And I told him, I have a person who reached out to me regarding a job in Dublin. Should we have a chat about it? And my boyfriend, now my husband, is a pretty chill guy. And he was like, let's talk about it when I get back home. Because, you know, basically, there's no use in creating drama about a long distance relationship until anything has happened. But by the time he came back home from his vacation, I had finished the interview process, gotten an offer and accepted the offer and was ready to move to Dublin. So that concludes the first episode of To My Daughter. If you have any feedback, good or bad, please let me know so that I can continue to improve this podcast for whoever's listening. I am going to try to stick to 20 to 25 minutes per episode. And um, if there's something that it didn't talk about in this episode that you were a little bit disappointed about, then please let me know and I will bring it up in the next episode. Thanks, Emil, for listening to this podcast. And wherever you are in the world, I hope you're staying safe.